For all you elk hunters out there, chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without OnX. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. OnX Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com hunt and find more birds this spring. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. They're on a mission to balance access deer populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. For folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful, you can become a snack subscriber, get some access deer sticks sent right to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I venison.com and use promo code cal for 20 percent off your first order outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems things like hard starts rough performance and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup sea foam can help your engine run better and last longer simply pour a can in your gas tank hunters and anglers rely on sea foam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season Pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. That's SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. From Mediator's World News Headquarters in Bozeman, Montana, this is Cal's Week in Review presented by Steel. Steel products are available only at authorized dealers. For more, go to SteelDealers.com. Now... Here's your host, Ryan Cal Callahan. New Mexico Department of Fish and Game have been attempting to track and capture a bighorn sheep that showed up out of nowhere in 2019, about 230 miles southwest of Albuquerque on Cook's Peak in the White Sands Missile Base. White Sands is not home to sheep, but the closest sheep to White Sands are desert bighorn, a subspecies of Rocky Mountain bighorn. For two whole years, New Mexico Department of Fish and Game tried to find the bighorn but came up empty-handed until trail camera images from the base revealed a mountain lion stalking a lone sheep last May. You guessed it, they found their sheep. Luckily, the wandering bighorn had an ear tag which was traced back to Arizona. The wandering ram traveled 180 miles to a sheepless mountain range that gets blown up by military ordnance to get killed by a mountain lion. Sheep love to die. Now, you may be scratching your head as to why New Mexico would want to find a sheep that voluntarily relocated itself to a new range. And why is it fortunate that the ram was tagged and those are good questions. After all, hundreds of thousands of dollars are spent in relocating these animals to new locations. This guy just did it himself. And the answer is, well, you know, the wandering nature of bighorn rams is a serious vector for wild sheep diseases. It is quite plausible that this ram would have come in contact with domestic sheep en route to his far-off missile range. This social tendency is commonly the cause of disease transmission amongst wild sheep, Wild sheep are terrible at combating disease. Had the cat not gotten its mutton dinner, the best case scenario would have been that New Mexico Department of Fish and Game drops a net on this sheep from a helicopter. 
His likely backtrack would have been looked at. Is the Arizona herd he came from healthy and disease-free? The ram would have been tested and quarantined, and if he had a clean bill of health, who knows? He probably ends up back in Arizona, but the most likely scenario is he would have just been killed anyway because the risk of moving disease amongst sheep populations is just too great, which may sound like a negative spin. But remember, this didn't happen. And those big wild cats have to eat too. You got to give me this week, we've got the end of the year CWD Roundup and the law enforcement desk. But first, I want to tell you about my week. And my week is written in advance. I'm heading back down to Idaho, hopefully get into some ducks, pheasants, chucker, some good old-fashioned exercise, drink too much with an old friend or two, I'll celebrate Christmas, I'll probably end up at mass, I'll cook like crazy, and dote on the bird dog while I tear up and think about the dogs that are gone and the fact that this one more than likely will do the same before I am gone. I'll try my best to not dwell on the things that keep me up at night and be helpful, even cheerful, to those around me. I'll take the opportunity to connect with those I've not connected with in a long while. I'll hope for cold weather, and when it comes, I'll keep my nose in the wind, relishing the frozen boogers, the stiff skin on my cheeks and the burned lungs, the icicles forming not too comfortably on my whiskers. I'll keep a good attitude and choke down my feelings surrounding commercialism, the bullshit, and I'll acknowledge that I am a salesman, that I am fortunate and have been fortunate, even in times when I could not fathom anyone wanting to trade places with me. Certainly not gas tanks or bank accounts, but even at those points, I was still fortunate. I'm healthy, my joints swell and squeak, my nose and ears don't work all that well. I have a hundred, maybe even several hundred tiny scars I've forgotten, and a few I'll never forget. Maybe one or three at the most. I'll very likely promise, maybe not out loud, that I will do better in many aspects of life. I'll learn to let go of the nagging things that cannot be controlled. I'll vow to speak less and be more poignant. Maybe even get around to looking up what poignant means, for real this time. A new year is coming, friends and neighbors. It will be much like the old one, but it is new. More hopeful. A change. And we can't go into the new year without thanking everyone who was with us in this past year. Phil, Corinne, Hayden, these folks who worked to produce all of our podcasts. Special thanks to Phil, who never met a deadline. That wasn't more of a suggestion. Mmm, yeah. That's a joke. Alex Tilney, Jordan Sillers, who write for this show, thank you so much for all of the effort. To all the above, thank you so much for putting up with my communication style, or lack of both style and communication. Thank you to everyone listening. Mostly, thank you to all of you who wrote in to say, I contacted my elected official or game commissioner for the first time ever. Keep it up. We need you. It's not that hard, is it? If you heard anything in this last diatribe, what I want you to remember is thank you. Thank you for listening. Have a great new year. Merry Christmas. God bless. And moving on to a very merry pandemic desk. And no, not that pandemic. Ever since its first detection in mule deer research facilities nearly 50 years ago, 
chronic wasting disease has been spreading across the country. While some states like Wisconsin and Illinois have been fighting the battle for a long time, the disease has been detected this year in at least one new state, and it's likely to have already made the jump into others. The Idaho Fish and Game Department confirmed its first recorded case of chronic wasting disease in two mule deer bucks in the Slate Creek drainage near Lucille, a town just outside of Idaho's famous whitewater capital, Riggins. The state has started issuing 1,527 CWD surveillance hunting permits so that more samples can be taken to determine the extent of the spread. On December 6, Louisiana wildlife officials issued a feeding and baiting ban in two parishes after a CWD-positive deer was detected only 7.5 miles from the Louisiana-Arkansas border. The Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fisheries has been sampling for CWD since 2002 and has never detected the disease in its deer herd. Officials say they implemented the baiting ban to stop the spread of CWD from neighboring Arkansas. In Alabama, a CWD-positive deer was detected within 25 miles of the state boundary with Mississippi. Alabama has never detected a case of the disease, and they've already banned hunters from bringing whole deer carcasses into the state from other states. Wildlife officials have expressed concern about this latest deer in Mississippi, but have yet to announce any further action. In total, CWD has been detected in wild deer herds in 26 states, according to the Chronic Wasting Disease Alliance and the Michigan Department of Natural Resources. Right now, infected herds are mostly isolated to the central portions of the country while states in the southeast, the west coast, and the far northeast have been spared. A CWD map from the U.S. Geological Survey gives a clearer picture of the state of the disease. This map breaks down cases by county, and it shows four large clusters in North America. One in Alberta and Manitoba, another encompassing the states from Montana to Colorado to Kansas to North Dakota, another in Wisconsin and Illinois, and another in Pennsylvania and Virginia. Large portions of many states have yet to detect CWD, which makes the problem sound a little more manageable. But we learn about new areas of spread every year, and it's hard to imagine the disease being kept out of any of the 48 contiguous states. While wildlife officials have implemented measures to track cases and slow the spread, they've been unable to completely contain the disease in the long term. Here in Montana, chronic wasting disease was just detected in a hunting district in the southwestern part of the state that had never seen a positive case before now. We are currently into our third or fourth consecutive season of CWD-specific hunts. In Michigan, hunters and biologists were able to contain CWD to the Lower Peninsula for many years until in 2018, a deer shot in the state's Upper Peninsula tested positive. In case you've been living under a rock for the last decade, chronic wasting disease is an infectious prion disease, literally a folded over protein affecting at least four native cervid species, including white-tailed deer, mule deer, moose, and elk. There is no known cure, and, as far as we know, it is always fatal. The good news, and why some hunters would rather ignore the problem, is that no human that we know of has ever been infected with the disease. And people who have eaten meat from CWD-positive deer appear to be fine, but the general consensus is in regards to eating CWD-infected meat is that of tempting fate or playing with fire. The CDC recommends that CWD-positive meat be disposed of in a clay-lined landfill. Obviously, if chronic wasting disease, CWD, ever jumped from cervids to humans, hunting as we know it would never be the same. 
Deer and elk are by far the most popular big game animals, and thousands of Americans would stop hunting if there was a chance they could catch a debilitating fatal disease. Even as it is, uncontrolled CWD spread threatens deer populations and decreases hunting opportunities. One thing that never gets brought up is what happens if CWD is found in domestic livestock. The cervids that graze along domestic livestock deposit prions on the feed. That feed gets ingested and somehow makes the jump to cattle, sheep, pigs. Similar diseases to CWD are already found in those animals. When diseases like this are found in domestic livestock, the USDA eradicates entire herds and the herds that those herds have come in contact with. The proximity of these two species is a little too close for comfort. That's part of the reason why biologists are searching for a way to control the spread of the disease and reach some kind of sustainable equilibrium. This should sound familiar to anyone who's been following the COVID-19 pandemic. Much like we're all wondering how to live with the COVID virus, hunters and wildlife biologists are trying to figure out how to live with CWD. Barring some kind of miracle cure, eradicating CWD from North America isn't in the cards. According to scientists who presented at the 81st North American Wildlife Natural Resource Conference, fortunately, these biologists believe the focused mitigation efforts can keep the disease in check, as in bias time, to learn more and come up with a truly effective strategy. These efforts may not keep CWD from spreading to other regions, but they can keep it from threatening entire populations. Deer culling, baiting bans, and testing requirements have all shown promise in the states where they've been tried. These measures aren't always popular among hunters, and I'm sympathetic to those concerns. Mitigation strategies should always be developed in cooperation with hunters, since no strategy will be effective without buy-in from our community. CWD is a current and potentially catastrophic future problem, and it won't do us any good to ignore it. That doesn't mean stop hunting, it just means take a few more considerations into the field with you when you hunt. Wear gloves while field dressing. Get your deer tested, either by sending in lymph nodes you extract yourself, it's not that hard, or by dropping off the head where it can be tested. Don't eat the meat until you get a test result and be prepared to dispose of positive meat and carcasses either in a clay-lined landfill or where the animal was harvested. Don't drop carcasses in new areas where you could potentially be spreading CWD. Remember, negative test results or non-positive results are just as important as positive results. I do have one piece of good news that I'll be unpacking more in coming weeks, The U.S. House just passed the Chronic Wasting Disease Research and Management Act to help fund efforts to combat chronic wasting disease. The legislation would authorize $70 million annually from 2022 to 2028, and the money would be spent on researching topics like effective testing methods, genetic resistance to the disease, and sustainable cervid harvest management. Money would flow to states with the highest incidence of CWD to help them implement the most effective management strategies. I'll be digging into this bill more in the coming weeks, but it's encouraging to know that the federal government is finally taking note of the chronic wasting disease threat. It passed on a massively bipartisan 393-33 to vote, which bodes well for its chances in the Senate. Hunters need to pay attention to this as hunting will be the largest management tool. For all you elk hunters out there, 
Chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without OnX. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. OnX Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com hunt and find more birds this spring. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time. Seafoam motor treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. It's really simple. When you pour it in your gas tank, seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can in your gas tank and let it clean your fuel system. You probably know someone who has used a can of seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. I guarantee you've listened to them because I use it you know, regularly. People everywhere rely on seafoam to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way they should the entire season. Help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. You've heard that name before because I've talked about them here on this podcast. They're on a mission to balance access deer populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. Now, it's wild access deer, which is an invasive species, but this operation is monitored and observed by the USDA, and they can commercially sell axis deer. Last time I went out to uh, Maui to hunt axis, I did not kill one, which is where Maui Nui Venison would come in very handy for folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful and still want to have something in the freezer or uh, handy in the form of a snack stick that is as close to getting your own as you can get, which is what Maui Nui Venison is. You can become a snack subscriber, get some Axis Deer sticks sent right to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I Venison.com and use promo code CAL for 20% off your first order. Moving on to the law enforcement desk. Back in the spring, we covered the poaching of a Mama Grizz in Idaho's Fremont County. Fremont County is near Yellowstone National Park, part of the Greater Yellowstone Ecosystem, or GYE everybody talks about. Investigators discovered the body of the sow bear partially submerged in the Little Warm River. The sow had been shot 13 times. When they went to her den, they found her cub there, who had starved to death as a result of her absence. This was the third in a string of very similar grizzly poaching incidents in the area. U.S. Fish and Wildlife, along with several conservation organizations, put up a $40,000 reward to catch the perpetrator, but the case remained open for eight months. Finally, Idaho Fish and Game issued a warrant to Google, whose data showed that a phone belonging to Jared Baum of Ashton, Idaho, was in the vicinity of the crime scene on March 14th, the last time the bear was recorded alive. When the police caught up with him, Jared, as well as his father Rex, confessed to the crime. We spoke with James Brower of Idaho Fish and Game, who told us the bombs are not being investigated for the two other grizzly bear poaching cases in the area, 
Apparently, the details of those cases point to a different poacher or poachers. The charges against the bombs include unlawful killing, possessing, or wasting wildlife. According to Idaho Statute 36-1404, Section A, Item 9, the amount you owe for killing a grizzly is $10,000. But there are some complications about whether bombs offense could also be considered a felony. This gets a little messy, so try to stick with me. Idaho Statute 36-1401, Section C, Item 3, says that the killing of any animal with a reimbursable expense of more than $1,000 will be considered a felony. So, a grizzly at $10,000 should obviously be considered a felony, right? A typical prison sentence for conviction of this felony is two years. However, in February of 2020, the Idaho Court of Appeals overturned the conviction of John Allison Huckabee for the 2014 illegal killing of a cow moose. The reimbursable expense for a cow moose in Idaho is also $10,000 so you'd think this would be an open-and-shut case. However, Huckabee's appeal turned on a very, very technical interpretation of the language in Statute 36-1401, Section C, Item 3, as of February 2020, which states, Unlawfully killing, possessing, or wasting of any combination of numbers or species of wildlife within a 12-month period which has a single or combined reimbursable damage assessment of more than $1,000. Huckabee's attorney argued that the phrase, any combination of numbers or species, had to mean that only killing more than one animal could qualify as a felony violation. Only one of a thing is not a combination. The state argued that because zero is a number, then zero and one together qualify as a combination. Huckabee's lawyers countered that, although zero is in fact a number, the combination of zero and zero could not be considered a combination in violation of the law, as no animals would be dead as a result. Therefore, zero couldn't be considered a valid number in a combination for the purposes of this law. And, I kid you not, that is why Huckabee's conviction was overturned. For poaching just one moose, he could not be convicted of a felony, and he could only be fined, not jailed. Now, I'm not overly familiar with this moose case, other than the numerical argument mentioned. Nor am I overly familiar with how the law is really supposed to work. So I can't say Huckabee damn sure deserved jail time or a felony on his record, but I can say for certain that nobody, including the judge who allowed this argument to go on in court, gave a pile of moose poo over whether zero plus zero adds up to zero on paper when there's a dead moose on the ground illegally. This guy Huckabee was in court because he killed an animal illegally. He broke the law. It should be treated as such no matter the argument. I'm going into this painful minutia for three reasons. One, if you're a lawmaker out there, be careful writing your laws. It's very clear that the drafters of this statute intended to cover as broad a range of violations as possible and would have wanted Huckabee in the pokey for what he did. Two, when we talk about wanting wildlife management decisions dictated by biologists at state game agencies rather than by legislation, this is part of what we worry about. Tiny mistakes in laws can let folks who did the wrong thing get off easy. And three, we had to bring this up to let you know what goes on inside a courtroom. 
This is how these lawyers get paid. They don't argue whether or not the guy illegally killed the moose. They argue over how much zero plus zero equals. So how can a bystander be guilty? No such thing. Have you ever heard of a guilty bystander? No, because you cannot be a bystander and be guilty. Bystanders are by definition innocent. That is the nature of bystanding. But no. Now we'll get back to Jared and Rex Baum, the alleged poachers of the Sal Grizzly. According to the precedent of the Huckabay case, it would seem that they wouldn't be tried on felony charges because they are not implicated in the other two similar grizzly killings in this area, right? Zero plus one is still one intentionally dead grizz. Or their felony conviction could have hinged on whether the death of the sow's cub was considered a killing that they perpetrated or rather just neglect that led to the death of the cub instead. But Rest assured, the bombs won't get off on this same technicality. In March 2020, right after Huckabay's successful appeal, the Idaho legislature changed the language of the applicable law. Statute 36-1401, Section C, Item 3 now reads, Unlawfully killing, possessing, or wasting of any wildlife within a 12-month period, having a single or combined reimbursable damage assessment of more than $1,000. Most wardens you speak with will say something along the lines of a large portion of who we catch are either unlucky or stupid. So with this change in the law, even the stupid will be able to do the math on what poaching results in. Of course, what they are charged with and what the prosecution and judge finish up with can be very different things. Over in Pennsylvania, a Lackawanna County man was prosecuted for the illegal taking or possession of eight white-tailed deer over a three-month period in Lackawanna, Pike, and Susquehanna counties. State game wardens responded to information received in late January 2021 concerning several deer that were unlawfully killed in the community of Fawn Lake Forest in Pike County. After a thorough investigation, the incident led to SGW Sowers conducting interviews and discovering evidence linking the man to the illegal taking of three antlered and three antlerless deer. The racks from the three antlered deer were seized as evidence. The man pleaded guilty to two misdemeanor counts of the unlawful taking or possession of game, three summary counts of the unlawful taking or possession of game, and 16 additional summary counts that included tagging violations, and damage to property. Legal proceedings were held over the course of several months in four different magisterial district courts within Pike, Lackawanna, and Susquehanna counties that stacked up fines short of $15,000 and jail time of one to six months. This is a notable story because it really isn't about the wardens cracking the case and nabbing a poacher. That happened almost a year ago. This is about the prosecution. After a year, In three different counties, a poacher was successfully prosecuted with a pretty stiff penalty. It could have been a heavier punishment, but it could have been a whole lot lighter. And last on the crime docket, we're heading to Louisiana, Sportsman's Paradise. A police officer in Louisiana was arrested on December 5th for poaching whitetail at night on private property without a license from his patrol car. He was found with three other men in his official government vehicle, and they'd already bagged two bucks by the time Louisiana wildlife officials caught up with them. One of the men was also a convicted felon who wasn't allowed to possess any of the three rifles in the vehicle, and none of them had the necessary hunting licenses. Not that it would have mattered much. Again, they were spotlighting deer at night from a patrol car on private property, 
like a backwoods version of super bad or super troopers. Can we shoot at it? I don't know. Can you? Break yourself, fool! Quick side note, I once sat relatively close to Jay Shandreskar from Super Troopers at breakfast one morning. It was thrilling. Anyway, wildlife agents heard gunshots around 8 p.m. on the east side of the Red River near Cushada, Louisiana, about 50 miles southeast of Shreveport. When they arrived at the location, they found four men spotlighting deer from a Cushada Police Department vehicle. They'd killed one eight-point buck and another spike buck, and none of them had permission to be hunting on that piece of private property. One of the rifles was also outfitted with a night vision optic. All four men were cited for hunting during illegal hours and hunting from a moving vehicle. The local sheriff's office also charged them with trespassing. 31-year-old Anthony Caldwell was arrested for being a convicted felon in possession of a firearm and cited for hunting without resident basic hunting and big game hunting licenses. He's facing up to 20 years in jail and a $5,000 fine for possessing a firearm. 30-year-old Adam Caldwell, 36-year-old Cedric Thomas, and 28-year-old Adam Pouncey were also cited for hunting without recreational big game hunting licenses. Adam Caldwell and Pouncey didn't even have a basic hunting license. All four men are facing up to a $950 fine and 120 days in jail for hunting during illegal hours, a $500 fine and 90 days in jail for hunting from a moving vehicle, and a $50 fine for their license violations. In addition, Anthony Caldwell may face civil restitution of $2,033 for killing that eight-point buck, and Thomas may have to cough up $1,624 for taking the spike buck. Pouncey was the part-time police officer with the Cushada Police Department, and he's been suspended pending the completion of the investigation. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Crime doesn't pay, kids especially when you're poaching wildlife from a patrol car. On top of really questioning where they were going to put the deer in a patrol car, I have to wonder about the defense. No, Your Honor, I'm a part-time officer, meaning part of the time I hunt. And the other part of the time, I'm an officer. I mean, what do you say? Was this part-time officer lonely? It sounds like he cleared the jail out in order to round up some hunting buddies for the evening. I could go on and on, but that's all we've got this week. Thank you so much for listening. Again, Happy New Year's. Remember, if you're having a hard time uh, getting out of the driveway because there's some busted branches courtesy of a late snowfall, go to www.steeldealers.com and find a local knowledgeable steel dealer near you. They're going to set you up with what you need and not send you home with what you don't. On top of that, Write in to A-S-K-C-A-L, that's askcal at themeateater.com, and let me know what's going on in your neck of the woods. Thank you so much for listening. I'll talk to you next week. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. That's seafoamworks.com to learn more.
Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. They're on a mission to balance access deer populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. For folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful, you can become a snack subscriber, get some Axis Deer sticks sent right to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I Venison.com and use promo code CAL for 20% off your first order.